Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for another exciting episode of Freight 360. Ben, we're up to episode 114, and today we're talking about credit. It's uh, it's an often, uh, you know, it's a question we get asked a lot from new brokers. How do I build credit? What you know, what is, what are people looking at? All that stuff. So we're gonna, we're gonna peel back the layers on credit. Um, but first, if you're brand new here, welcome to Freight 360. And if you've been with us for quite a while now, almost, uh, or over two years now, right? Welcome back to Freight 360. We, we appreciate your continued support and listenership. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and Spotify. And if you watch us on YouTube, hit it on the YouTube button there, our YouTube page. Uh, leave a review. We got a new review. I'm going to read it off today. I, have, I actually, we got it a little while ago. I didn't even look. Um, but here it is. This is from Larry Cal. And Larry Cal says, I'm guessing it's Larry from California said, I found this podcast about a week ago. I've been listening a lot, and they both seem really knowledgeable about freight brokering. I'm learning a lot listening to them. I would highly recommend anyone interested in getting into the business of freight brokerage or becoming a freight agent to try out listening to them. Thanks, guys, for all the knowledge y'all drop. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks, Larry. Larry Cal. I like the y'all in there, too. I appreciate it. Absolutely. My fellow coworkers down in Nashville. Um, Ben, how are you doing this week? I have been better, but I've also been worse. I have been under the weather. My family has caught the vid, so we have been under quarantine at least until this Friday. Um, but hanging in there, trying to just do they, do, they the, do they shorten the quarantine period if since you're vaccinated? Or how does that work? So, yes, like I talked to the health department Sunday. Um, we're kind of a split household. Some of us are, some of us aren't. Um, but it's all yeah. been pretty much the same, honestly. It's okay. like 10 days for my symptoms, but before what I'm supposed to. But I asked her that. I also had the um, the antibody, the IV antibody at the hospital. I, honestly, I can't even remember yesterday or the day before. Um, and they were like, look, like technically you're not contagious because you have the vaccine. So like, if I have to go to the grocery store for the family, like I'm going in. Um, but I gotcha. I, I I mean the big takeaway, and I mean knowing that we're on air, I'll, I'll throw this out there is like, yes, I am vaccinated. Yes, I do feel like a dumpster fire. But what I have learned going through the process is that, and I have family members in intensive care right now. My mother actually is in intensive care. The long and short of it is that, like, the vaccine is apparently 99.9% effective at preventing you from needing to go into intensive care. Like, ventilator, life-threatening. And as far as I'm concerned, like, that's the downside risk you should be protecting against anyway, so... Well, I'm just glad you're not on a ventilator, because I'd be recording by myself right now. Touche. It's the yin and the yang. (laughs) You sound a lot better than you did uh, a couple days ago, so I'm glad to glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. I, I do want to head on an NFL. Um, dude, the Bills. I don't even know what happened on Sunday. They lost to the Jaguars, nine to six. Blake Blumley. Dude, to it be was so bad. Super excited about that win. So bad. 
There are so many things that went wrong in that game from play calling to lack of an explosive offense to turnovers, Josh Allen throwing picks, Josh Allen getting sacked uh, and picked off and fumble recovered by Josh Allen from Jacksonville. There was two Josh Allens on the field. So fun fact there. Yeah. Um, it was really confusing if you're watching the game or the highlights. They're like, Josh Allen got picked off by Josh Allen. They're like, wait, what? I but, caught uh, you saying that in another meeting earlier this week. You're like, what's Josh Allen? And I didn't know what you were referring to. but Yeah. Oh, with the lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So there's two Josh Allens. Um, on, so anyway, <laughs> those are five and three playing the Jets. Um, so five and three going into this I, week, I, right? I call that a bye week, but I thought Jacksonville was going to be like that, but. Who knows? Steelers, though, man. Um, so if anyone's watched ESPN this week, or if you haven't, go ahead and just look up the, the clip. Um, it was 26-20, I believe, towards the end of the game. Um, let's see. Chicago went back and scored a touchdown. It was 27-26. And then um, Pittsburgh's got to go down in the last minute or two and try to kick a field goal for the win, right, because they're down by one. They ended up getting the uh, Roethlisberger got sacked and then the guy that sacked him had a BS taunting call and they threw a flag on it. So he literally like, after he got the play, up and though, right? or after the play, he gets up and he cheers. There's like a little roundhouse kick. Yeah. All good. You know, regular Normal. celebration. And then like, he's, he like kind of looks over towards the sideline. Like, yeah, you see what I did there? And then he turns around and walks back and he walks right behind the ref and the ref throws the flag up. And literally, I'm pretty sure 90% of everyone in professional sports, no matter what team you root for, knows that was a BS call. And the taunting calls this year have killed it. So for that reason, Pittsburgh gets driven up the field. That sack is basically null and void, you know, essentially, right? Because now they get the, the yardage and they score a field goal. Um, and then at the end of the game, Chicago comes back and tries to kick like a 68-yarder or whatever, hits the crossbar, and it's short. So Pittsburgh won, and it really came down to that taunting call. And here's my one take on it: is it you know they're all about taunting this year, dude? What happens when when the defense has a picks the ball? <laughs> they all rush down as a team to the end zone and they dance in the camera. That's not taunting, but you know you do. Oh, oh man, double standard. So I just. I'm all about, you know, the professionalism and all that. But when that kind of taunting call changes the outcome of the game, that's, in my opinion, it's it's interference so, by the refs. Well, in the let game me ask outcome. you this. Like, should the refs have their judgment? I mean, should they have to consider the repercussions of a call before they make it? Or should they just be able to call it based on the rule? They should be able to call it if you're just going to is black and white, right? Like pass interference, mm -hmm. right? Regardless of whether it changes the game. But a, a taunting call, the act of taunting does not change the, the inf does not influence the play that happened. Whereas a pass interference or a holding or a so, false start, offsides, yep, encroachment, absolutely. right? Neutral zone of action, those all affect the outcome of the play. The play's over. So you're against taunting again, being called at all. Like conduct right. or something like that, or on, you know, intent or something like if you went and shoved somebody it's one thing <clears throat> that's bad but to celebrate and to call it taunting i don't know i'm not a fan of that call but pittsburgh won and they should have won either way shouldn't have been that close chicago um but hey this week bills at the jets 
Uh, last I checked was a minus 13 spread, which is less than Jacksonville was. So hopefully they can pull off a win there. Pittsburgh is hosting Detroit. Um, you got a nine-point spread there. I think both teams win it this week, and hopefully both cover the spread. But I've been so wrong this year. So where does that end up so record-wise? If Pittsburgh does win next week and the Bills win, where does that put both teams at? Buffalo would be 6-3. and three. Pittsburgh, I think you guys are like 5-4. and four. Yeah. Right now? Have mm-hmm. you had your bye week? Yeah, we did last week. Or the week so before. So you'd be 6-4 so and the Bills would be 6-3, and three, I think. So... Don't don't uh, mark me on the Steelers. I know my Bills record; they're five and three right now. Anyway, that's sports. Um, I digress from you know that idiocracy. Um, <laughs> well, hey, before the episode, let's give us a shout out to our friends over at DAT. Absolutely, taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America. Connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of DAT Express Power, Trucker's Ed, and Express. There you go. This is where I'm trying to pick you up when you're not feeling so hot this week, Ben. I got you, man. And that's the way good uh, yeah, Power is my personal favorite. I use it every single day. So check them out. All right. Credit. Well, before we credit, jump credit, into credit. this, I am curious. Do you know what the five C's of credit are? I don't even know what that means. So the five C's of credit are supposedly like the foundational aspects of like why you basically lend somebody money or don't and their character Capacity, capital, collateral, condition. All those are your five. Um, Capacity is their ability to pay it back. Um, Capital is their money or money on hand. Collateral is your ability to go get something if they don't pay you what they said they would. And conditions are the parameters typically within those agreements. And character is probably just are, are are you a good organization and you're not, you know, you don't have a bad rap, basically. Correct. And I mean, it's what credit scores try to determine uh, with a numerical way, you as a person. Well, like hold on. On that note, cause here's what I never understood with credit scores. Credit scores don't take into a f- into account how much how many assets you have or how much money you have, right? And in business, it's probably different. <clears throat> it is. So, well, so the f- what I was talking about, so when I first started into any job outside of college was I was a lender. And the first thing I learned was, you know, how do you lend money from a bank's perspective? And the five C's of credit were like your Bible. Like, this is what you're evaluating gotcha. and how. Um, so, so that's when a human being is looking at a situation. Correct. Because right? a credit score doesn't look at your character. It doesn't look at your... Um, amount of cash you have or your assets. It looks at how much money have you borrowed and have you been able to pay it back, right? It's a uh, Dave Ramsey calls it the I love debt score, right? But you know we're not <laughs> we're not talking from that perspective today. Credit is a, is a thing that's realistic and um, it's used very often in the freight brokerage world and in business to business in general. The one of the biggest hurdles that new brokers run into is having no credit or not enough of a credit history, right? And they ask us, what do I do? I've got carriers that won't work with me. I've got factoring companies that won't work with me. That's why we wanna talk about this today. Um, 
I mean, other than, you know, people ask, how do I get shippers, right? But I feel like getting credit is like the, uh, the other biggest hurdle that they run into. Well, one of the so. biggest reasons, I mean, as a freight broker, you've got to bridge the gap between getting paid by your shippers and paying your carriers. On almost every aspect, you're going to be paying your carriers or your vendors faster than you're going to get paid by your customers or your shippers. So there's yep. always a disconnect. And it's one of the biggest areas where I it's like... I think a lot of, and we in general talk about like the only way to grow is to get more sales. Well, that is true, but if you aren't managing your ability to get cash to pay the people performing the work, it can be every bit as detrimental as it is advantageous. Like, it's one of the biggest things. If you grow too fast and you can't cash flow to the people performing the work, it's the number one reason businesses go out of business and construction is yeah. huge in our industry. It's huge. Like you've got to be able to have the cash. And if you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars, when you go into this industry, like credit is your only option. So if you do not yeah. have good credit, you can't fund your business or function. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about, um, you know, from the perspective of a carrier or a factoring company, why do they care? Right? So, um, you even if you're cash flowing your business, right? You've got money in the bank, but if you're brand new, a carrier might look at you and say, "Well, this guy's never run a load before. How do I know he's gonna pay me?" And they have no idea how much money you have in the bank to pay them. They just know that they checked your credit and it was undeterminable, or that you had no credit history, mm -hmm. right? Which is, is a problem. Same thing with factory companies, right? Because a carrier might be using a factoring company to decide, hey, do we want to work with this broker or not? And if they're definitely going to check your credit, a carrier might not, but a factoring company definitely will. The same way that they would look at a shipper if you're using one, a factoring company yourself, um, to factor your receivables, right? The same way that you would look at a customer yourself if you are cash flowing your own business. You want to know, are they going to pay me, right? And a lot of times, if you use a simple credit report like, we, I've, you know, we use Ansonia at my company. Um, Truck Stop has a has a program. DAT has a program. There's a ton of them out there, right? And they're going to look at objective information only. And if they don't have enough information, it's going to look like a high risk. And this is the problem that a lot of new brokers will run into, as well as a lot of small shippers. Um, so I, I want to speak to, you know, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a freight broker. How do we handle credit with shippers if we don't have enough information. Um, I'll tell you, I'll give you my experience Then I'm curious how, how you've dealt with it. Um, I try to, you know, we like to avoid using a credit application if we can at Pierce Worldwide. We, if we can find adequate information online, it'll save time and avoid having to fill out a quick contract and get something signed off, right? They look good, boom, we'll get, we'll extend credit, I will take that risk. Now, if it's moderate risk or we don't have enough information, then we're going to request information because we, we want to get this business. We, we want to work with the shipper if we can, but we might have to ask some information, maybe get some references, some trade references. Who else have they worked with? Um, who did they work with in the past and you know, in a different setting perhaps? Or um, what does their financial situation look like? Can, they, can we try to work on the terms where, hey, maybe we'll give you a small amount of credit and then we'll pay you or we'll accept the rest of the payment, um, you know, we want some prepaid and some upon delivery at first, and then we build up a history that way or something like that. Um, 
there's ways to do that. Uh, tell me about your experience in that realm. Say a customer has not the best credit or you don't, you can't find anything on well, it. Well, I think that's the thing that we should jump into most, right? All this is in its most simplest sense is somebody wants to come and perform the work that you're offering through a load board, right? Usually, or maybe it's through just a phone call. You found them somewhere else and you call them and they're like, hey, like there's not enough information out there. Like you haven't been in business long enough for me to believe you're gonna pay us. And you and I talk about this a lot. Like one of the things that are very common for unethical people in this industry, unfortunately, is that they shutter their business and reopen again under another MC. So that's basically the risk that your carrier wants to make sure they aren't getting burned for. Like, hey, if I go pick up this load for you and I deliver it, are you gonna pay me? So from what I'm hearing is like, hey, you know, there are a few ways we can do this. We can pay them up front. We can pay them a little bit and then pay them a little later. Or we can use another company that says, hey, we have looked into them deeper and we believe they will pay you, i.e. a factoring company, right? Um, what are some of the ways that you think are the most common for people to try to get more reports on their actual like credit yeah. rating? So, well, the to be to be blunt about it this is not an easy thing to do it's a task and it's a hurdle you will run into there's no there's no p quick pill to take no. to fix this right this takes time and, and patience be. and a lot of work it's trust um, right it's trust but they're, they're like it shouldn't yeah, be so fast paying carriers um you could prepay or pay upon delivery, mm -hmm. right? And if they're using a factoring company, it's going to be reported. The factoring company will report it. And if they're not using a factoring company, you have to ask them to make sure they report that. Because they're, you know, and how, they might and not how do often that. does you that happen? How often does that yeah, happen? Not, not a lot. Yep. Not a lot. But if, if, but if your incentive is, hey, I'm going to essentially prepay you on this load at no fee, and you're getting a good rate, in return, will you please report this and show my payment? And, and that's one way to and that's that's really important because we've had a lot of we've talked about this a lot in group coaching sessions and people reaching out to us is yes you are relying on them reporting and yes it is a little less likely but if you actually want to increase the likelihood that they will report it use reciprocity like exactly what Nate just pointed out like hey I'm going to pay you sooner than I need to and if I do so, would you be willing to take a moment and fill out this form or contact them to report this so I get credit for it? And if it is yep. a quid pro quo, I do this for you, you do it for me, the likelihood they will report it, yes, is not 100, but it's much better than you waiting for all these things to miraculously happen. Yep. And this is a shortcut that's gonna get you there a little bit quicker than it would otherwise. Yeah. So. On that note, I want to talk about things that help your credit and things that hurt your credit, right? The Obviously, what we just explained is going to help your credit. Um, what's not going to help your credit is not having things reported at all. It's not going to help you build any kind of history when these companies look at you. Now, days to pay tends to be one of the most commonly looked at metrics when it comes to creditworthiness for a freight broker, right? Same thing with a shipper. How fast are they paying their bills to the brokers or the carriers directly? So days to pay, right? And I would say industry average, net 30 tends to be a commonality that everybody accepts as the standard, right? 30 days. If you go on a load board like Truck Stop or DAT, you can often find that DTP or that days to pay score on the right side. I think it's the right side of um, all the postings on there. 
And you'll see other stuff too, like if they're, you know, they've got stars and maybe a letter associated with it, but that days to pay is huge. So how do you, how do you get that days to pay to increase? Well, you pay faster. Think about quick pays, right? And yes, you can charge a fee for a quick pay and that's reasonable. By offering quick pays, you're gonna lower your average days to pay across the industry, right? So if you offer a one day or a five day quick pay, Think about how that impacts everything else, right? Your 30-day standard terms might actually reflect as like 26 or 27, and you'll see a lot of that on the boards, and that's because these folks, these companies are offering quick pays. If you can aim for an even lower, like 21 standard terms, you're gonna really, really help your business well, out. That's how you can attract more capacity, too. Exactly, and, it's, and I think it's a really good instance of looking at a problem and finding an opportunity, right? So for newer brokers out there, they wanna increase their, they wanna decrease their days to pay, right? But most of the capacity available in a tight market is usually low credit worthy carriers. And why that is the case is like they're drivers that are very effective at driving their truck and they want to start their own company. So they're spinning off right now over and over and everything else is telling us that like you can find smaller trucking companies that have appeared in, in the past year and a half. But guess what they're struggling with? The exact same thing you as a new brokerage is struggling with is how do we keep our fleet running and paying the gas on these trucks as we're building our credit? So you take that, you offer them what they need, and to you as a brokerage, it's a win-win for everybody. They get their money quicker, yeah. your days to pay shrink, your credit worthiness goes up, and you look more valuable to the other carriers in the market. Yeah. Um, so what not to do on that same aspect is don't pay slow, right? Think about this. If you have a claim that's being disputed and you're not facilitating that claim properly, there's a high likelihood that that carrier is gonna report that you didn't pay them. Also, if you short pay a carrier, right? And they have to file on your bond, that stuff stings your credit. So you wanna avoid that stuff as much as possible if you can. Um, so take the extra time, put the extra hour in, make the extra phone call, to handle and tackle an issue ahead of time so it doesn't become bad news down the road where they're gonna, it's gonna come to bite you in the ass. Agreed. Um, other stuff too is, you know, like we say, it's subjective, right? There's subjective points. So think about the subjective nature of all this, the relational part of this. If, somebody, if somebody's going to look past just a score and they're gonna look at references, you wanna make sure that you're performing your business professionally and that you actually have a good reference to give to somebody, yeah. right? If they're gonna say they're gonna look at, you know, all right, you, you're, you're a new broker, I get it, you, you know the business, you've been around in the industry for five years, but you have a new authority. Um, but, you know, let me just get some references on you. And if you're like, I have no one that'll say anything good about me, right? That's a problem. So, like you talked about character as one of those five C's. Um, if you don't have good character and you don't do right by other people in business, you're gonna fail on so many other levels outside of just your credit worthiness. So um, by all means, do things right, have references, because there, there probably will come a time um, when you need to provide them. Well, there's, so, there's that old saying, and I can't remember who it's attributed by at this moment, but it's, you know, character takes a lifetime to build and a moment or a decision to throw it all in the garbage. Like you basically- You're always, you're always full of proverbs, Ben. But it's but this one's true. Like if you make good decisions in line with the character you want to represent in business, you pay your bills, you do what you say you're going to do, like the basics, right? 
As yeah. soon as you rip one person off, it throws into question everything else yep. you've ever done. So Same thing goes with trust. Right. A lot of everything we're talking about, that's all this is. All credit is is trust. Does the market have enough trust that you're going to pay them if you perform the work you said you would? And that's, yep. at the end of the day, all anybody's trying to determine. So um, the reality is you might have to have enough cash in the bank to pay carriers quickly as a new broker. The caveat to that is to, if you have real hard evidence of your credit worthiness and you think it's not being reported properly, you can do something about it. So we actually, we found a company called TransCredit. They they do factoring, they do credit um, searches for brokers and for uh, shippers and stuff like that. Now, one of the things that they offer is to, um, to if there's missing information, right? You can go and improve your credit worthiness or how your credit looks to a broker or to a, a carrier factoring company by updating the information, right? Maybe they don't know about your financial standing or your assets or something like that. These are all things that you can do yourself to give a proper reflection of what your credit worthiness is as a freight broker. Now, if you don't have any good information to put in there, well, you're shit out of luck there. You just really have to spend the time and be able to pay carriers or you got to find the carrier or the, the factor company that will work with you and will be subjective and look at your character. So it's not easy, right? We've, we talked to well, one of our folks in coaching over the last couple of weeks that they've got a lot of experience inside their organization, but they're still, they're, they're fighting this fight right now. You know, I've got carriers telling me no. I've got factoring companies telling me no. And we know they have the capital and the cash flow to, to pay these carriers, right, and these factoring companies. They just have to find a way to project that and to show it. And it takes time and it takes work. There's no, like I said, there's no magic pill. So that's credit in a nutshell. If you, unless you have anything else to add, it's, it's a very straightforward concept and topic that I think a lot of new brokers don't think about because we've talked about it so many times before, it's very easy to get in this industry. Couple thousand bucks, you've got your authority, you've got your bond, you've got your um, surety, or your surety bond, you've got your process agents filled out, you got your everything set up, right? But then what? You people have to actually want to do business with you, exactly, and so. be able to trust because the entire industry revolves around credit. Honestly, our entire economy does. Like nobody's trading cash with the products and services. For the most yep. part, they trade on credit and then later are reconciled. Specifically yes. legit. An invoice. Yeah. An invoice. Exactly what it and is, right? A, you've you've performed a service in hopes that they're going to pay you yes. in 30 days. And then you have risks and terms along with it. All we're doing is saying, "Hey, when you're new to this, you there's are some tips and tricks and best practices to expedite this. There is no magic pill you can take to gain trust in the market other than capital. Yeah, if you can put up a half a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars and throw it in a trust fund and cash secure it, yes, there's your magic pill. But aside from those things, you got to build trust in the market. And then I think you know you've outlined a lot of fantastic things you can do on a day-to-day and weekly basis to get you there just a little bit faster than time would have permitted. Absolutely. Good stuff. So that's credit in a nutshell. Um, We've got three good questions today, but first I want to give a shout out to our friends and sponsor over at Lean Solutions Group. Um, We should have Trey on here, I think, in the next month. So I'm excited to see what we're going to talk about there. But obviously there are four main pillars, right? Sales, 
staffing, tech, and marketing, right? And we are customers of them. And we've come to learn how awesome they are over the past year with, with their product and with their services. Um, so if you're trying to put bodies in seats, if you need a website done, if you need to market your brand or you need an account manager for your brokerage, check out Lean Solutions Group. They've got the nearshore model with their offices down in Columbia, South America, and you can get quality, good English-speaking staff at a fraction of the price of what you'd pay in the U.S. And they're trained. They already know they already know the industry, and they are vetted out. So check them out at leangroup.com. There's a link for our affiliates page in the uh, description, or if you're on YouTube, in the uh, description box, I guess. So good stuff. First question here. My company wants me to switch from 1099 to W-2. What should I do? Kind of rhymes, right? Yeah. W-2, what should I do? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, going to 1099 can be appealing. Going to W-2, if you're already 1099, not so much, unless you're switching jobs. But if your current job and your current position wants you to switch, should be a red flag. And the reason behind that is the IRS very, very clearly defines what W-2 and 1099 are and how they're different, right? Think about 1099 as like gig work, like an agent. You're not employed by your brokerage, you're independent. You own your own book, you work whatever hours you want, you're not punching a clock, you don't have a boss. Um, W-2, you're an employee. They employ you, they can fire you. Um, They're paying you something, like a salary probably, or a draw, or some kind of a commission scale. They're providing you with a place to work, unless it's the pandemic and they're gonna send you home, but they probably gave you a computer to work from home with. Um, these are very different, and the the big difference is that self-employment tax, right? We all pay 15.2% employment tax on ourselves. Now, if you're 1099, you're paying all of that. If you're a W-2, your company pays half, 7.65, and you pay half, 17.65. So I guess it's 15.3. Um, so if they want you to go W-2, um, you should probably talk to your accountant and find out if your job actually qualifies as W-2 and you better be getting something for it besides them paying some of your taxes, right? Because uh, you don't want to be strapped and chained to a desk and a clock now if you were given that freedom before. That uh, line is... So yeah, I wouldn't do it. I don't, like the, I don't like the idea of a company wanting you to go almost, essentially backwards in your level of freedom and flexibility. What do you think? Well, the line is always drawn as far as I've ever seen it is control, right? Like... As soon as you become W-2 an employee, like they have the ability to control things. Um, when you're on the other side of that line, they don't. Um, to your point, right? Like flexibility of hours, times, what you want to do, all fall on the 1099 side. Um, being able to make sure you are sitting where they want you to sit, answering things, doing things that they feel irrelevant is all on the W-2 side. Um, yeah. So I would definitely, I would try to clarify to answer the question. What is it that, why do they want you to go W-2 and what are you, what's changing? Mm -hmm. So that's my view. All right. Can I get an agent position as a new broker without a book of business? The simple answer, and my phone during this uh, podcast is rang four times from the same person. So I'm going to be calling them back after this. Um, uh, Becoming an agent with no book of business and, you know, your new broker. Um, Short answer. Absolutely. If you can get someone to bring you on as a 1099 agent, do it. You definitely can. It's possible. Is it easy? No. The reason being, the well-established agent-based companies that are out there, they are going to want you to be experienced and already have a customer book of business. 
Now, how do you find these companies that aren't the big ones, that don't require that? You gotta do some research and do some homework. I actually came across a company based in Florida that is willing to put people through a train, well, they still interview them, but they put them through a training program and then they pay them a much smaller percentage. Like, you know, where most agents will make like 70%, you got these other companies that'll take a chance on you, train you up, and they, are, they only want to pay like 40 or 50%. They're out there. You got to research them. You got to find them. You got to, you know, it might be a small job posting on Indeed or ZipRecruiter or LinkedIn. Um, it could just be networking. Maybe you, maybe you found a small brokerage in your area and um, they don't have any agents. Well, you have to propose that idea and that concept to them. Hey, what do you think about me being an agent? Train me up. Um, I'll take a lesser percentage. I want to learn the ropes, but I want to be independent. There's definitely ways to do that. Uh, or you can go find an existing agent or agency and become a sub-agent of them and in return make less money and get trained on their business. So, but it's a lot of work. You got to find those opportunities. They don't just, they don't present themselves, right? The, the ones that present themselves are the ones that are asking for a lot in return, aka a big book of business. All right, last question. Was really well Why said, do some brokers say email only, don't call when they're posting a load? Um, I want your opinion on this too, Ben, but I, my guess is they don't want to be flooded with a bunch of BS phone calls when they just want to quickly like shoot me your rate. And if it works, it works. And then we'll hop on the phone. What do you think? I, honestly, I'd say I agree. I think it's more telling about the person with a posting saying that they just don't want to field calls than it is anything about like whether or not the load is different from the other. But again, like it all depends on how bad you want that load or how, I mean, how bad they want it covered, right? I mean, if they're willing to only take emails, like it's probably not that urgent. It's probably a lower- Or not hard to call. Yeah, lower paying right? load, not that hard. It's a pretty like loose lane. Um, and that's why they're, they're prioritizing like price over anything else. Um, yeah. So they probably got other loads posted where they want to field calls on and yep. they'll take emails on the other stuff. Would be like my take. I mean, if I was, yeah. Definitely. No, I agree. I agree. Well, good stuff. Good questions. Um, good topic today too. Credit, man. Like I said, we get asked that question a lot. Um, definitely go to the contact form on our website if you guys have an, a topic request for us. We've got, um, we're, we're usually got a few in the pipeline already and some stuff in the near future already lined up but we love to mix in and sprinkle in um you know whatever it is that you all want to hear and i'll tell you what we we've covered just about everything in freight and we can only do it so many times but we will always try to find a new angle and a new spin on it to keep it relevant especially with the way that the markets change all the time um side note how about uh the uh, ports, any uh, any new updates on what's going on there? Has there been any relief of the congestion or is it still, I watched, what are you hearing? I, I, I feel like you're more involved in the, in the port world than I am. I was on a webinar with the executive director at the Port of LA um, last, it was two weeks ago now. Um, so there was reduction in the amount of ships moored off the coast, yes. Um, but okay. what it, I mean, the long and short of all of it was that there are so many parts integral to getting cargo from another country that even once they change some of these things, it's not going to drastically change the market. Um, like, yeah. yes, and there's still only a certain amount of railroads. There's still only a certain amount of trucks. 
There's still only a, amount of, a certain amount of drivers. CDL licensed drivers that can do this. There's still only a certain amount high you can stack a container before it becomes a safety hazard. Like There are real limitations on our supply chain. And just by saying you want to change one thing or the other isn't going to drastically affect how cargo comes into the, into the country. Um, but there has been some alleviated congestion by ships diverting to other ports that were less congested. Okay. So, and I know that's been happening through like the Christmas season to get more cargo in for the holidays. And I know some companies like it is what it is. Like they're starting Black Friday early because they're not going to be able to stock up and do this. Yep. You know, one time event. I, I'd say are like your biggest noticeable. So, did you hear about this Santa eighteen? Thing. I read an article on Freightwaves the other day. I'm just going to, I pulled it up on my other screen here, but it's called the Supplying America Needs Truckers Aged 18 Act, or for short, Santa 18 Act. And this is actually something I didn't know. So you can typically, right, interstate drivers need to be 21 years old. Um, the Trump administration opened that up to if you had a military, uh, if you were a military driver, you could do it at 18. Um, but inter or intrastate has always been just 18. But the caveat there was that if you work at a port, they still had the 21 year old mandate to, to be working at the port like that, even if you're not leaving your state. So if you're a small drayage carrier that only operates in South Carolina or California, you know, you still got to be 21 years old. So now they're trying to say, well, let's let's open it up to. Um, 18 to 20 year olds now to try and get more drivers there they, that are able to be um, driving in and out well, of the ports. And I didn't know there was a 21 year old requirement. I thought you had to, I thought it was just 18. There is, and it makes sense, right? Because the other side of that coin is do you fix the problem that drivers are saying is created, which is they're not getting paid enough. So the easiest right. way to not pay more money is to find people younger that have a lower cost of living <laughs> to try to solve that problem. Like, I uh, don't see that that would actually change anything. I mean... I don't think so. No, and, and to be honest, like, if there's anything that, like... It's not the, it's not the one solution, at least. No, I, I mean... The thing, the way our entire supply chain works and how it was built was organically through capitalism, right? This person solved this problem, built a business. This person built, solved this problem, built a business. And then they all work together, right? And then one of the things that like struck me was the executive director for the Port of Los Angeles was like, look, we wanna share chassis with the Port of Long Beach, but guess what? They're their own company owned by their own board of directors and they do not want to work with us. And we cannot force yeah. that. So regardless of what anybody else wants to do, like there are limitations on the way we've developed our system. One of which is we can't impose our will on the company next to us. So guess what? Like we've got to do with what we can. And like, that's really the state of affairs when it comes down to it. Yep. It's a big hodgepodge of issues from driver shortage to truck shortage, which stems from chip shortage. Which, you know, and then there's also Warehouse the shortage, right now. all of it. Oh, yeah. Chassis. You name it, man. So not to beat a dead horse, but I don't think it's going to get with fixed us for, for some right. time, at least from every smarter person than myself that I've talked to is saying it. The, the answer, least. in my opinion, efficiency. Find a way to be more efficient. 
Yes. I don't know how. But Little I'm bits saying. at a time until you. It's like that adage of like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. You look at yep. where you can knock off some efficiency and add it to other areas and keep doing that day in, day out until we work our way through this problem. All right, Ben, well, any, any closing final thoughts here before we wrap up today's episode? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.